Welcome back to another exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me going forward over the next several issues of Hack Slash Son of Sam Haim, as well as Hack Slash Resurrections and possibly beyond, we have a new partner in crime co-host with us joining us from her own YouTube channel as well as her horror aficionado little uh, projects that she's got going on. We have Halloween Girl. Hi, everyone. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are and where you come from on the internet of your own Halloween creations and what you do. Yeah, so um, I have a horror ASMR YouTube channel. Um, so I love like narrating ghost stories and such. Um, I like to make people go to sleep and such. Um, and um, but I also want to do it like creepily too, putting people to sleep <laughs> um, by can't you know kind of scaring them and stuff with my horror stuff um so um so yeah so i have an asmr channel and then um i also have a website too uh where i publish ghost stories um from real people um these are real experiences and such um and also have um readings as well on my website um so that's been going on for about two years now so yeah it's really exciting just to like be in this cool horror stuff so i've been a fan of horror since i was probably like five or probably a baby so yeah horror rules <laughs> talk a little bit about some of the videos that you have on your channel what you're doing yes um yeah so my youtube channel um some of the horror asmr that i love to do is kind of like horror book reviews too um and one of them i actually have like Alfred Hitchcock and stuff. So I talk about a little bit like the, um, what the book is about. Um, also I do, I narrate stories as well. And also, um, I also do share some of my personal stories, like experiences and such. Um, and then I also do like role plays, like fixing up, you know, like a skeleton, you know, like his teeth and stuff, kind of like a dentist role play, um, for just for ASMR entertainment purposes to put the viewer to sleep, hopefully. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's kind of like a mix of, uh, just different like spooky videos and just like having, you know, like the horror music in the background too. And, um, I don't know, just, I, I don't know, it definitely reminds me of growing up and just being so excited, um, to read ghost stories, like, with friends and family and stuff and it's much more fun at night too so um so yeah so i love doing that so much we're gonna kick it off with uh hack slash son of sam hayne issue number three this is the uh middle of the mini series where cassie is by herself and um the book kind of goes on hiatus for a little bit after this for a good couple of years, actually, until Hack Slash Resurrection. So this is the last of the Hack Slash for um, a bit of a microsecond, and then we jump back to it. Uh, the Hack Slash issue number three was published in September of 2014. The script's by Michael Morrissey and Steve Seeley, Tim Seeley's brother. Art by Emilio Lasio. Colors by K. Michael Russell. Letters by Crank. 
edits by James Lauder, designed by Sean Dove, art direction by Stefano Caselli, and series direction by Tim Seeley with cover by Stefano Caselli. We open up with a bit of a backstory of how monsters, uh, the monster life has begun. Very caveman, ancient, prehistoric way of how the monsters are bred into being, and some not always the monsters that they want to be. We switch over to Cedar Island, North Carolina, where Cassie, Del Rey, and the son of Sam Hain are waiting on Cat Kuro, who returns to the book with the demonic dog Pooch. And she's got information for Cassie as well. Cat has been out of the book for a little while, but we get into some detail about how the son of Sam Hain is brought into being through a birthing sequence very akin to Alien. <laughs> the leader of the tribe of demons talks a little bit about how these are going to be the way to bring about the army as they begin to build to try and continue the Black Lamp Society's uh, conquest of the world. Son of Sam Hain is worried that because his father was the serial killer Sam Hain, that he will turn out very much like him. Cassie points out that her mother was also a slasher serial killer, and she's trying everything in her power to not turn out like her mother. The demons continue to squalor amongst themselves as Cassie and the group happen along a black lamp, black flame uh, society cult at a uh, nearby church and get information about where they need to go for the next part of their mission and the rebirth of At and Sewell, who Kathy thinks is nothing but baby gibberish. He takes a cyanide pill and kills himself as we switch back over to the demons that they continue with their cult ritual and the leader summons for Cassie, Del Rey, and son of Sam Hain to be killed and their bodies brought to them for a ritual sacrifice. So the cover for this, now you have the trade paperback, you said? Yes. Okay, so the cover for this for issue three has um, Del Rey, the boy, Octo, Cassie, and then uh, the face of the Cult of the Black Flame Society above them. I believe that's supposed to be Sam Hain, but I think it's also uh, one of Cassie's former nemesises. I'm not 100% certain, mainly because he's not wearing his pumpkin head mask. I don't believe it's really uh, Sam Hain. Um, the first page of the issue three has what looks like a barbarian looking demon, um, and the birthing sequence of probably the most fugly looking baby you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like, I don't know, like it, I don't know, like it's, it's creepy because it's like, what's on the baby? Is it like gooey, like slimy? Like it also looks bloody too. So, it doesn't know. look like your typical birthing. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, we switch over to uh, Z Zdena, uh, Z-D-E-N-A, uh, as she is bedding. I thought she was wrapping herself up in a cloak, but this is actually the body of some outside Dark Order man um, with the weird black and blue tattoos all over his body. Like, his body is, like, pure black, and his he's got these, like, light blue tattoos all over him. Yeah. And yeah, I was at first when I was like, you know, reading it and stuff, I thought I thought she was like, um, just like hugging herself with like this blanket, like in a weirdly way in the bed. <laughs> right. I was like, whoa. <laughs> One quick second. I'm going to throw on my interview on the radio. Zedana is then punished uh, through a spear through the gullet and basically repeatedly stabbed by her tribesmen, um, turning 
more into strong and into their leader, who is basically the guy that is uh, spearheading this whole cult. Uh, switching over to Cedar Island, North Carolina. Um, I want to know what the statue is that's outside the house. There's no explanation about it. Now, did you know who Cat was prior to this? I don't know how much of uh, you've read. No. Okay, so Cat Kuro is a... Okay, so she's like 24 or 25. She's like the same age as Cassie. Um, but technically, she's got the mind of a 12-year-old. <laughs> the reason why is she's kind of a... Um, the way we read it, the way it was written years ago, um, and the way we read it when we reviewed the issue that she premieres in, she's kind of a, um, I guess the term is idiot savant. Okay. So she is incredibly intelligent, but kind of dim-witted. <laughs> um, they didn't write characters like that very well back in the day. Um, right. So she got stabbed by Sam Hain. She was 12 or 13 years old. She gets stabbed by Sam Hain and put into a coma, and she's in a coma for like ten years. Whoa. So when she grows, when she wakes up, she's again, she's got again a body of a twenty-four-year-old, but she's got the mind of like a teenage girl, or like a young teenage girl. Wow. Yes, um, and that's because of the coma. Oh, I'm so sad. So this is the way she is for quite a while. She's kind of like ditzy. Um, she's incredibly intelligent, but she definitely acts in a very, you know, unique kind of way for Cassie to deal with. Wow. And then the poo and then the demonic dog Pooch is from the Neff realm. Um, a lot of people love this Pooch character. I'm not the biggest fan only because it doesn't have any teeth and kind of creeps me out. <laughs> I love it. So there, they became cat and dog investigation. So she's like a private investigator. Yeah, the dog's eyes definitely creep me out. Like, I wouldn't want that, like, staring into my soul at night. <laughs> the dog talking is also kind of, like, ridiculous, too. But it's supposed to be, like, Scooby-Doo. Oh, so cute. Um, So, despite, you know, like, Cat being kind of, like, um, you know, <laughs> somewhat absent-minded and just kind of, like, you know, very... um unusual let's just say they they still draw her in a lot of context to be extremely like sexy and provocative uh there's right. a cover of hack slash that has her and cassie in the bathtub <laughs> together oh. <laughs> uh, so, so <laughs> because cassie is bisexual i don't really know what cat's sexual orientation is uh but uh she <laughs> um she she pops in and out of the book. I think this is the last time we're gonna see her for uh, for quite some time. Um, it is also very funny that uh, Octi takes uh, Aki takes a, uh, a uh, you know Pooch takes a liking to Aki because he wasn't a big fan of Aki's father Sam Hain. Oh wow! Yeah, I definitely noticed that too. They like he seems so friendly with him. <laughs> I like the fact that they find this underground lab. <laughs> Excuse me. I like the fact they found this underground laboratory uh, where we find out how Aki is basically like, you know, kind of born the way he is. Um, it's right. not unbelievable that they would use the black, the you know, the black, the black lamp society would use Sam Hain to impregnate uh, various women to in order to continue their mission of these slashers. Right. There's an entire explanation in the 
first volume? Yeah, the first volume of of Hackslash, of the ongoing, because there's two ongoing uh, series for Hackslash. The first volume goes into great detail about where all slashers come from. Like, what makes a person into a slasher serial killer? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a really dark ritual, deep, like, religious history lore lesson storyline that I cannot explain. You just have to read it. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't fully it's, understand it's it so myself. It's so crazy, like, how, like, the seed is, too. I don't know. Just, like, it looks so creepy because they have, you know, Aki has, like, these teeth coming out and stuff. Um. Yeah. Each generation brings us closer. We move away from humans and towards monsters with every hatchling. So they're basically trying to create like the ultimate ultimate monster race of people, um, and that's what they're trying to do with um, with Aki. Of course, he comes out you know pretty mm. normal, but this next creature comes out uh, you know much more monstrous looking and dead. Oh yeah, yeah. Cassie Very to... demonic looking. <laughs> Cassie uh, relates to Aki the fact that his father was the serial killer Sam Hain and her mother was the lynch lady killer. Uh, her mother murdered all of her classmates by poisoning their food. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that is kind of crazy, you know, how her mom, like, killed all those people because of how mean they were to her daughter. Like, little did she know that was, you know, like they were related and stuff. Like, that's just bizarre, just how all that unfolded and stuff. But, yeah, I think I would probably do the same, too. <laughs> when we get back to the uh, the monsters, it's, it's like, completely written. It's the two sides of the story I think are written very, very differently. Um, whereas like Cassie Del Rey and Aki's storyline, um, is just seems very separate from like what the monsters are doing with trying to reclaim their glory and, um, you know, like come out of the shadows and build their evil monster empire. Um, it's the, the two sides of the story I just think are very different. I'm not saying either one is written any worse than the other, but I just, I think that they're, they're very different stories in their regards. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it is, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, I feel like Marinto is like super in charge and like super intimidating too. Religious, uh, this, you know, church like group, uh, seems the front for the, uh, the black lamp society. Um, Mm -hmm. they are, they uh, their investigation has found out that they've turned uh, Sam Haynes' DNA over to Marinto, um, and these humans are in league with them, and they're going to bring about Atta Solu. I don't quite know who that is, but I think we're going to get into it in the next couple issues. They don't give much about it here, other than you know the name itself, and then of course he takes the cyanide pill. Yeah, it definitely like feels like a cult, like when they're you know like while he's like preaching and stuff. And then, like, he says, like, you know, like, the magic word. <laughs> They're like, ooh, that's it's, the guy. <laughs> it's a religious organization in uh, disguise as the, um, it's a, it's the Black Lamp Society in the, in disguise as a religious, a Christian religious organization. Right. 
Yeah, very tricky. They paint... They, then we switch back over to, you know, Lord of the Rings, and they're basically, like, just painting each other with their own blood for, like, war paint. Um, and Morento decides to send the uh, creatures after uh, Cassie and Delroy, and uh, they want to, obviously, they, <coughs> I don't think they're going to kill Aki. I think they want him back because he's a perfect um, experiment, you know, more or less. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's how the issue ends. It's it's uh, rather quick and fast. It's so exciting to, like, learn what's, what's going to happen next and stuff, like. I don't remember this series being so um, heavy-handed on the dialogue. Um, that has slipped my mind, but I, I know that when we get back into uh, Hackslash Resurrections, that's a much more easier-to-follow streamlined series than uh, Son of Sam Hain. Because Son of Sam Hain gives us a lot into the villain's perspective and what the villains are doing, um, and it's definitely divided between uh, Cassie, Del Rey, and the... Um, in their story. Yeah. In uh, the back of the comic book, which again, you have the trade paperback. So in the back of the comic book, we have America's got powers ads. God hates astronauts. Oddly and normal. The field science, bad, the mercenary C, um, and an ad on the back for blue estate. Always. I don't know what any of these comic books are. I have never read them before. So they're they're extremely new to me. Sometimes in the back there's like a letter page, but there hasn't been a letter page in the hack slash comic book for quite some time. But it's refreshing that they stick all the ads in the very back so it doesn't break up the story itself. Yeah, that's that's good, definitely. Do you know if there was a second cover for issue three? Not that I've seen. Okay, the only other second cover I know for issue three, I think it just has Cassie and Aki on the cover. Um... This cover is, again, by Stefano Caselli. So they only list the one cover by Stefano Caselli, but they also list another cover. Sometimes comic books will have, like, multiple covers. Um, good God, there's a comic book out right now called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. And it's the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story to be written. And, and uh, by that I mean, like, it's set in the far future. And there are, I'm not even joking, for five issues of this comic book, there have been a total of two over 200 covers. Whoa. 200 covers of that book? Five issues. 200 Whoa. covers. Yeah. That's insane. And that's, that's not like counting. A lot of work. And that's <laughs> not counting virgin covers. And when I say virgin covers, it's just the artwork. There's no logo for the company and there's no title of the comic book either. There's no number. It's just the artwork. So whenever you hear virgin artwork, that means it's it's just, you know, the art itself. Right. Wow. Um, so, and there are multiple virgin artwork covers for these Ninja Turtle books. IDW pumps out a ton of variant covers. Uh, Tarot Witch of the Black Rose, which is a comic book I'd mentioned to you to check out. Uh, they do like three or four covers. They do the main cover. They do a nude version of the main cover. So if there's a female in the cover, they have her like nude. They call the Skyclad Edition. They have a photo cover, usually done of some model or something or some cosplayer as one of the two main characters, uh, Tarot or uh, Ravenhex, or, and then other, any other variant versions of covers. There's uh, a company called Avatar, I think it is. They put out <laughs> ten covers of every comic book they do, and the covers range from pretty conservative to triple X hardcore pornography. Whoa. Yes. That's... 
they put out stuff That's like a lot. <laughs> they put out stuff usually like Belladonna or Jungle Fever, which is like girls in like leopard, you know, bikinis, you know, fighting like dinosaurs and saber tooth tigers and monsters and stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's crazy the artwork that appears on these covers. I mean, Marvel and DC is no slouch. They have a they both have big events coming up, and each one of the big events have like at least a dozen covers per each issue. Wow. Yeah, the alternate cover market is absolutely ridiculous. I have at least three alternate covers for my comic book, one for the other comic book, and then my graphic novel has at least five alternate covers. Whoa. Sorry, five covers in total. The main cover and then four alternates. So I am no slouch to this either. (laughs) So much work that goes into all that, and like all the details and such. But it's so cool, though, to like see you know like these different covers and such because you kind of get like more more out of it really (laughs) right definitely all five issues of my hack slash son of sam hain are all uh signed by tim and steve seeley when uh 2016 came around that was the last time that i'm aware tim seeley was in town he had his brother with him and they both signed all five issues he and then i had tim sign him and then he pointed out that his brother was the one who worked on these and he should be the Whoa. one who signs them as well. So I got to meet his brother for the first time. Um, I tried to have Steve Seeley on the show. He has unfortunately declined. Oh. He's not a big interviewer, he said. Yeah. But Steve, but Tim did reach out to him to try to have him on the show. Uh, there is a possibility that if he gets freed up, Michael Morrissey could come on the show as well. He is the writer of this book, and he's currently writing uh, a book right now that I have at home. I don't remember the name of it. It's a Marvel of DC book, but the writer of this book is also a film director as well, and he has a movie that he's been promoting. Ooh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with issue four of Son of Sam Hain, uh, Halloween Girl. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? Yes. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Halloween Girl F1. And on YouTube, um, it's under Halloween Girl ASMR. And you can find me on Goth Girl Horror. The Twitter account is at Goth Girl Horror, or my regular Twitter account at Chris D S A V. You can send me an email thatradiohorror at gmail dot com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, sorry, don't forget to um, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you happen to listen to this show. And please leave, leave a comment on the website radiohorror.com where you can listen to all the previous episodes of Hackslash, including issues one and two of Son of Sam Hain, which I did with Greg Elner. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with issue four of Son of Sam Hain here on Goth Girl Horror, the official Hackslash podcast. Don't stay.